0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our In the World, Not of It series, which walks through the book of 1 Corinthians, showing how we are citizens of a better country. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning, getting back into our study. How many of you enjoy uh, you enjoy board games? Raise your hand. You enjoy board games. All right. If you've been around any of us for any length of time, uh, you know that we love board games, especially if you ever come to one of our uh, church game nights. You know there's a, a group of guys from the church that we like uh, the board game called The Settlers of Catan. And uh, how many of you have ever played The Settlers of Catan? How many of you have no idea what that is? I'll teach you if your hand is raised. Um, but we play that game. But maybe you're game is, uh, is Monopoly, or maybe your game is like my wife. My wife's game that she wins almost every time. There's multiples of them, but the one I'm thinking of this morning is the game Balderdash. How many of you know what Balderdash is? Balderdash, you're given a word, and then you make up a definition, and you make up a definition of the word, and uh, I never do good at that game ever, because I'm not that bright, and so I get the word, and I'm like... A piece of lint on the wall, you know? And people are like, yeah, that's a stupid answer. And uh, man, I don't know what your game is, but everybody probably has their, their favorite board game. But one commonality with almost all board games is that you have game pieces, you have little characters in Monopoly, you've got the little, the little car, and, and uh, maybe you've lost your pieces, and so you're like us, and you have a thumbtack and a, a piece of old gum, you know, or whatever the case is. You've got your, your game pieces. And you ever played a game with somebody, and as you're playing the game, inevitably, they continue to forget what game piece is theirs. Growing up in my home, of course, I grew up with with my mom and dad and two older sisters, and um, they're quite a bit older than me, so we played played a ton of board games. So even at five and six years old, I was learning how to play Pictionary, and uh, maybe you've heard of the game Life, the game Life that came out. It was one of my sister's favorite games. So growing up, those are the two games on my mind we'd play often. We played Pictionary as a family a lot, and Almost, I mean, I, my mom would agree to this if she was here this morning, you pray for her, she's in Indiana right now, but she would agree to this almost every time we ever played a board game, my mom would grab the wrong piece. And she'd move it and we'd be like, mom, you're, you're not yellow. And she yes, I am. No, mom, mom, you're blue this game. You were yellow like three years ago. You're, you're blue today. She, okay, and she moved the yellow piece back and then moved the blue piece. And I'm not exaggerating. It would come to her turn again. You know a piece she would move? No, the red one. It's like she would rotate around, you know? And like, uh, mom just, her color is like, I'm just the rainbow, I represent everything, you know? And I'm just gonna scoot everybody. We all win, you know? And man, she would pick those colors and every now and then we'd be playing a game and one of us would have to go, mom, mom that's not your game piece. Mom, that's, that one's not yours. No, you're, you're blue this game. Oh, okay. And she'd have to move it. Playing with those people, it's, it's fun. But they need the reminder. Mom needs a reminder. Mom, that's not your game piece. As we come back into our study in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, I, I think that one of the ways that we could approach this passage is God, through Paul, coming to you and coming to me and saying, hey, that's not your game piece. And you say, well, pastor, what do you, what do you mean? As we come to First Corinthians chapter number 11, we know we've been studying our series, and we know where Paul, he's this, uh, this writer that at one time he was at, uh, the enemy of God, right? At one time he was a great persecutor of the early church, but now he's a, he trusted Christ and he's, he knows God, and so now he's a preacher and he's going around church planting and starting churches, and God would use him to come to that metropolis of Corinth and begin a church, and God would use Paul to see literally hundreds of people uh, trust Christ and their life totally transformed and then Paul would stay there for 18 months, but then he would leave and after some time of being gone, he would would begin to get word and hear from a different group that traveled from Corinth that that came to him and said, Paul, uh, while the church people are still there, their lives are a wreck, Paul, because they're they're acting more like the culture that's surrounding them than than Jesus Christ who is within them. And Paul, we've got a lot of issues going on in our church. And so Paul would, would write back to them, and with love, as, a, as a, a, a mentor and a pastor to these people, Paul wrote with love, helping them. Hey, I want to help you with some struggles in your life. I want to help you not just pass over sin. I want to help you with all of the infighting that's going on. And, and so for the first six chapters... Paul is writing about all and he's he's writing to all of the issues that they've struggled with. But then from chapter seven all the way through the end of the chapter, Paul begins to answer questions that they had been given, that they that they had given him. Uh, He answers questions about marriage and about widowhood and answers questions about being single and answers questions about the gray areas of life. And he answers questions about, uh, like we learned last week, how we should filter our decisions. And there's certain decisions that we're like, well, it's not good or bad. It's not a matter of good or bad. It's a matter of what is best. And, And so Paul writes to all of these things. And as we come into chapter number 11, Paul is going to write about the area of role and responsibility, role and responsibility in this chapter'm we're going to read the whole thing, and today 's approach to the message might be a little bit differently than normal because I want to give you a lot of cultural context. But when we read this, honestly if you just if you just read the passage, like at home, and you're in your Bible reading, you come to 1 Corinthians 11, you start reading the first 16 verses, you're like, what does that have to do with me? Like, oh, I could pull that verse out and that could be a meaningful thought, but in the context, what does it mean? Here's what we're gonna build on today it's all about role and responsibility, it's about knowing your role, knowing your responsibility embracing it, and then moving forward for God. Not trying to play someone else's role, not trying to be someone else's game piece, not trying to live your life fulfilling somebody else's desires. No, living life, fulfilling God's role, assigned by God, given to you, that's your responsibility And I think today as we come to the passage, we're going to find Paul with the inspiration of the Lord saying, hey, that's not your game. That's not the role you were made to fulfill. So step into your role. And when we step into our role, when we step into fulfilling the responsibilities that God has placed before us, it is then that we truly find a fulfilled life because we're accomplishing the purposes that God has set forth for us. I want to start this morning just by looking at the first three verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Stand with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Paul says this. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things. And you keep the ordinances, that word ordinance there, it means the teachings or traditions. You, you've kept the lessons that have been given to you as I delivered them to you. But, verse number three, but I would have you know, but I wanna address something. I wanna, I wanna answer a question that you've given me. I, I wanna have you know. Here's what I wanna talk to you about. That the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. I want to read verse 3 again because if, you, if we miss verse 3, we miss the entire passage. I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. What Paul is writing about in these passages in, in this passage is going to be him simply saying, "You need to know which game piece you are. You need to know what role is yours, because you are most fulfilled in life when you use the right game piece. You're most fulfilled in life when you know and embrace your God-given role as we get into the passage this morning, we need to know that the passage, as I said a moment ago, it could be very confusing, especially if we didn't know the culture to which Paul was writing. And so today I wanna take the passage before us. I wanna explain the culture, and then I want to give us some application for where we live in our day and age. So let's pray, and let's ask God to speak to our hearts with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take a minute, and would you ask God to speak to you. You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me this morning. And then would you make a commitment, God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you and I'm gonna respond to you. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for what you do. We thank you, God, for the, um, the purpose that you have in each of our lives. Thank you for bringing us here this morning, those that are with us in person, those online. And God, I pray that as we go through the service this morning, that you would use everything to bring honor and glory to you, that you would use it uh, to help us to shape our Um, to shape our identity this week, that we would recognize that uh, who we are with you and what we have because of having you. And God, I pray that you would just help us, use us, use my words right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. The verses aren't going to be on the screen. I want you just to follow along for just a second so that we can uh, see a little bit of the passage. I'm going to read the verses a couple of times this morning, but I want you to look with me at, at verse number three, and I want to read down through verse number uh, verse number seven. Verse number three, it says this. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Verse four. Every man praying or prophesying. The word prophesying there it just simply means to uh, to teach the word of God. Every man praying or prophesied, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even uh, all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn or shaved, bald. But if, uh, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought to cover his head for as much as he is the image of the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. We're gonna stop right there. Now, let's just say you're at home and the kids are like, hey, dad, mom. Your grandkids are like, hey, what does First Corinthians 11 mean? I mean, I read the first seven verses today in my, you know, at Sunday school. What do you say? I mean, you hear that at a, at a casual reading. You, I mean, if you're like me, honestly, when I sat down and I'm studying out the passage and even uh, this week, I was planning on doing all of chapter 11, but I'm like, man, that's just too much to bite off in one message. So I'm like narrowing it down. I'm like, all right, I'm doing these first 16 verses, but what does this mean and how can it apply to us? I'll tell you this, we'll miss it all if we don't understand cultural context. Okay, as you read the Bible, you hear me say this often, context matters, right? Say it with me. Context, context matters. Not only context of the Word of God, so meaning uh, you can't just take one verse out and apply it to things that you want to i mean if you if you did that, really, you could make the Bible say anything you want. you could manipulate the Bible, the Word of God to teach anything that's where a lot of false doctrines and false teachings come from um, a teaching like that baptism is part of salvation. People teach that because they take the scripture out of context. They take a verse and they apply their thought to it and begin to teach that verse as if it's doctrine, but it's completely out of context. Every one of us, we have been taken out of context before. Have you ever had somebody take something that you said and say, well, you said, and you're like, that is not what I meant. If you haven't had that, uh, your kids have done that to you. Those of you that are parents, just know, your kids have taken you out of context. Uh, Your coworkers, a boss, people take you out of context. So we, we can do that with God's word, take what he said out of context. But not only does the context of the teachings in the word of God matter, But the cultural context, what was going on, who was reigning, who was in charge, what the persecution spectrum looked like, I mean, you have all of these different things that we need to know, context matters. So when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and we read, I mean, basically, if we didn't know the context and we read this right here, we would need to go back like 50 years. Well, Why? Because like 50 years ago, ladies always wore hats to church. If you go to the South, still to this day, it's like competition. My wife and I a number of years ago preached in West Virginia and uh, preached at this church, and it was a Southern church. I mean, it was, it, was, it, it was just Southern. And there were ladies walking in there, and they had hats the size of the chair, you know? Yeah. Or walking past, I'm thinking, man, how am I going to see people when I'm preaching? All I'm looking at is, you know, Miss Deborah's hat right here, you know? And so that, that's still, well, why don't, I mean, I'm looking around right here. I don't, I don't see anybody with a hat. Now, some ladies here wear hats every now and then. But, but today, I mean, why don't we have a bunch of hats? Because it's not, really a, it's not really in culture. Now, you may wear a hat every now and then, and that's fine. But culturally, we don't do that. I mean, does that make sense? 50 years ago, I was, watching, uh, I was watching an old show. I was watching Andy Griffith last night. I mean, know Andy Griffith? If you like Andy Griffith, come tonight. I'm, I'm telling you, come tonight. That's all I'm gonna say. But I was watching Andy Griffith last night and uh, you know Andy Griffith, you know what everybody wore every day? Every day, in, in those days, everybody wore shirt and tie. All the men wore shirt and tie right? I mean, just that was, that, was the, that was the norm. You know, they're talking about working on wood and you know what everybody's wearing except for Gomer? They're all wearing a shirt and tie. <clears throat> well, why would they do that? It's cultural, okay? So if we read this not knowing their culture, we would say in here, I don't see any ladies wearing hats. So all of you ladies, you're all unspiritual, as a matter of fact, right now you should all just shave your heads bald <laughs> cuz you're so unspiritual. I'm looking around, I don't see men, I don't see any men wearing the hats. Men, you are ultra spiritual. Every we we already we already knew that that all the men of the church were just ultra spiritual. Listen, if we just read the if we just read the passage, just what we read just now, that's the that's that's what that's the conclusion we would come to. Do you think that's what Paul is saying? do you? No. No. The answer is no. Ready? Do you think that's what Paul's saying? No. No. All right. Paul's not saying that. So what's culture? Culture during that time was much like culture is in the Middle East in areas still to this day. At that time, women, regardless of religion, regardless of creed, women wore head coverings everywhere. Still to this day, when you go to some Middle Eastern countries, they, they wear a head cover. Regardless of religion, they wear head coverings. Why? It's cult, the cultural norm. Um, As a matter of fact, in that day, and I'll talk a little bit about this, and I'll try not to repeat myself, but I wanna make sure we get the passage. In that day, if you walked about, if you walked about in public, women, ladies, without your head covered, uh, that meant that you were saying to everybody, I'm a woman of low morals, or I'm from the temple and I'm a temple prostitute. That That was the commonality, that was the common thinking of that day. Now, you could be really rebellious, really rebellious, and you could shave your head. And if you shaved your head, that meant I don't care about anybody or anything. I'm either a temple prostitute with a shaven head or I just don't care what you say, what you do. I don't care what the cultural norm is. I'm going to be me. That's, that was culturally acceptable or unacceptable, that was the cultural norm. Does that make sense? So you wore head coverings when you went out. Now men... Men during these days, men, especially when they went to worship, women would wear head coverings even to the temple of Zeus or Poseidon or uh, Aphrodite or whoever the goddesses or gods were, they wore head coverings. Men did not wear head coverings. Men never wore a hat, especially in, in places of worship. They might wear one out and about walking in the, in the marketplace and everything. But for the men, it was cultural that when you walked into your place of worship, you better not have a hat on. Well, why? Because you were signifying, culturally, you're signifying or picturing, I recognize that even in the religion of Zeus, I am the head of my home. That was the cultural norm. Okay, now knowing that, knowing that, here's what I wanna do. I wanna dive into the passage. I wanna just kinda get some, some thoughts. I'll bring out some quick applications through it. And then we're gonna hopefully package it all up and make a nice little Christmas gift that we can go home today with, okay? The wrapping might not be as pretty, the bow might not be straight, but hopefully it's something that we can apply to our lives. So as we come to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, there's two main things I want us to know before we look at our last point. The first is that Paul is helping us understand, I, as a Christian, I need to know my role. I need to know my role. Now, where do we see this? The verses I just read, verse three down through verse number six, notice what it says. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying and having his head covered dishonoreth his head. If we were to uh, think about knowing our role, when you look at, well, I I stopped, didn't I? Let's keep going, let's reading. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. If you go to verse number two, we find Paul in verse number two, we didn't read it, we did a little bit ago, where Paul says, now I praise you, brethren. And he says, I just wanna uh, thank you that you remember me in all things. You keep the teachings that I've delivered unto you. Here's what Paul is doing Um, and it's interesting because we still do it to this day. In verse number two, Paul is presenting something good about the church. Like, hey, here's something great. Man, I just just praise God because you remember me and you keep following the teachings. Man, I I just wanna tell you, you guys are doing a great job. Why is he buttering them up like that? Because he's about to blast them. He's about Verse two is, is, you know, verse two is you saying to your kids, now listen, hey, hey, listen, you were kind yesterday. You were kind yesterday. I'm so thankful you were kind yesterday. That's verse two. Verse three is, but let me tell you something, boy. If you ever say that again to your sister, you better watch out. That's verse three. Because <laughs> verse three, he says, but now I want you to know something. Well, what do I want you to know? Well, here's where he starts. Verse number three, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ. What is Paul going to do? He's going to get into what we would call an authority structure. He's going to speak about the authority within the church, the authority within the home, and the authority with which, uh, as which God designed it to be. And I don't want us to miss this today because really verse number three, again, the main, the main passage, or excuse me, the main thrust of the entire passage, and specifically that first phrase that the head of every man is Christ. We need to remember that the emphasis here, okay, the emphasis in the passage, men, I'm about to, uh, this, this is about to be our verse number three. Men, the emphasis of this passage is, men, you are supposed to lead, step up, and be a leader, that's this is this is this is the entire thrust of the passage. Now there's a section to the ladies on what fellowship and responsibility looks like and ladies that you lead as well, but men the main thrust is men, come on. Hey men, step up. Now, let me ask you. In our day and age, in our modern day Christianity, in in our culture what we see right now, do you know what we see a lack of? We we see a lack of men being leaders. That's what we see. We see a lack of men just saying, hey, you know what, you can follow me as I follow Christ because I know my role and I embrace the role as a leader. And what has happened is our culture has broken down the leadership of men in the society. Our culture has broken down the fellowship of ladies within the society. And here's what Paul is getting at. It was happening then just like it happens now. And here's what Paul is saying. Hey, men, you answer to Christ. You are to be submitted to Christ. The whole key is submission. Understand that role and responsibility. The key is submission. We're going to see it this morning. So Paul, he writes to them the emphasis on men. Men, you are submitted to Christ. Now the next part is the part that our culture really has struggle with. The head of the woman is the man. Women, your responsibility, your role is to be submitted to the man that God has placed in your life. So if you're married, that's your husband. If you're single underneath your your father still, that's, that's your dad. If you're a widow or uh, um, the the husband is not taking the role in your life like he should, we compare scripture with scripture and we understand that there's some authority within the local church, but that your responsibility also is to just be submitted to Christ as you would to a husband or to somebody that you are, are to be following. But as soon as we get into this part of the verse in our modern day culture, people will look at this and say, see, the Bible is chauvinistic. See, the Bible is, is sexist. You see, the Bible is, is teaching that, that men are above women and that women are below men. And see, the, that's just archaic. But let me ask you, is, is the Bible teaching that men are superior and women are inferior? Emphatically, no. And the Bible is not talking, listen, in this passage and all throughout Scripture, the Bible is not talking about equality. I'll say it this way. Men and women, they are equal in the Bible. Did you know that? Men and women are equal in the Bible. It says this in Galatians chapter three and verse number 28, that there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all, look at it, one, In Christ. And don't forget this, it is only in biblical Christianity, it is only in biblical Christianity that all of the judgmental prejudices of society truly meet their doom. Well, why do we say that? Because of the statement that we often say, the ground is level at the cross. Man, the ground is level at the cross. It is the Christian faith that, that brings about freedom and hope to women and to children and to slaves. I mean, that back in the day, do you know why, why uh, many leaders, uh, um, world leaderships did not like what Christianity was teaching? Because Christianity was teaching everybody is equal in the eyes of God. The local church and biblical Christianity back in that day and even to this day is perhaps the only fellowship Where everybody is welcome, all people, regardless of nationality, social status, sex, or economic position, every single person is welcome. Why? Because the ground is level at the cross. I had one friend that said it this way, biblical Christianity obliterates all of the isms of society. It is only in biblical Christianity within the local church that people find equal identity in Christ. I want to just say this this morning that this is why all of the problems in our society will not really be solved until people come to Christ because he is the only one that teaches true identity. The Bible, is not te- the Bible does not teach any form of, of uh, 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 racism or sexism or, or social status-isms. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. I don't know if we're getting it. So we're just gonna, I'm, there's a campfire I'm throwing a match in just for a second. Our society right now doesn't understand roles because our society looks at everything from skewed vision. You wonder today while every, why everybody has uh, race confusion and gender confusion and uh, religious confusion. Hey, who is the author of confusion? No wonder our world is confused because the prince and the power of the air hath blinded the minds of the people. But it is Jesus that comes and he says, hey, all I see is one race the human race. Hey, all I see is one role, a people that I love. And yes, I created you male and female. And yes, you are Gentile and Jew. And yes, you might be slave and you might be free. But either way, when you come to the cross of Jesus Christ, I don't look at you and see status or anything. I look at you and I see a human being that I died for and a human being that I love. Every bit of isms dies at the cross of Jesus Christ and it doesn't raise again. <laughs> so what is Paul doing? Paul is trying to help them understand, you need to know your role. What is your role? Men, your role is submission to God. But in this passage, ladies, your role is to submission to the man in your life. But we don't like that word submission. Submission because we have a skewed definition of it. And I say it often here, but we have a skewed vision because we think submission means inferiority and superiority. Understand that there's a big difference between, listen, there's a big difference between submission and subjugation. Okay, submission says I recognize the role that God has for me and I surrender to follow his plans, not mine. So what do I do? I I submit. What am I saying? I'm not gonna demand my way. Subjugation says you are under me and I demand my way and you will listen. The Bible is not teaching subjugation. The Bible is teaching submission. And as a matter of fact, there's an incredible example in this. It's in the very next phrase. Verse number three, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. So, is the passage saying then that, that God and Jesus are not equal because God is over Christ? No, 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 no. No, Jesus was the perfect example of submission. Why? Because remember the night before Jesus died, he was in the garden and he prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. No, you can look it up in scripture that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are co-equal and they are co-eternal. That is a principle and a doctrinal truth that is taught all throughout the word of God. Now you can pull it out of context and say one is over the other, but if you put it in context within the way God wrote it, you would understand that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are three in one. They are the same person, identified as three persons, and we can understand they are equal in their power, in their status, and in their seat. But what did Jesus do? He humbled himself, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus presented submission to us in John chapter 12 when he washed the disciples' feet. He wasn't saying, I'm subjugating myself to you that you have power over me and can and can boss me around. No, no, no. He was saying, hey, I submit to you. I recognize that, man, it's not my will, but it's God's going to be done, and I'm going to submit. I'm going to wash your feet right here. And uh, man, what was he doing? He was demonstrating for us what true submission looks like. And so in this passage, in verse number four, in verse number five, and in verse number six, here's what Paul is writing to them. And I, I don't have time just to really go through every thought, but here's what Paul is writing writing to them, ladies, now remember cultural context, ladies, when you go about and your head is uncovered, you are showing people that you don't care about the role. You don't care about what God has given you. You don't care about authority in your life. You might as well just shave all the hair off and be like one of the temple prostitutes because your actions say, I don't care about the role God has given me. Men, there are some of you that you're wearing your hat to worship and you're wearing the covering. You know what you're doing, men? You are saying, I deny and I denounce the role that God has given me. Why? Because I am not identifying, I am not identifying the submission in my life by taking that hat off when I walk into the place of worship. Does that make sense? All of it, all of it is know your role. What is your role? It's to be submitted to the authority that's above me. Submission, not my will, but yours. I don't have to push my way, but yours. So know my role. That's verse one through verse number six. Men, your role is to lead. Lead. Men, your role is to lead by your relationship with God and to lead in your prayer life and uh, to lead in, in your involvement in the church. That's gonna be a camping spot too. It's sad to me that in this day and age, many ministries in the church, I praise the Lord for the ladies that lead in ministries, but there's something wrong when more ladies are leading than men. Pastor, are you saying that ladies can't lead? That's not what I said. Don't take it out of context. I'm thankful for the ladies that lead. But oftentimes, you want to know why there are ladies leading in certain areas of the ministry that, that, they, that, that should not be? It's because men sit back and just let them. <clears throat> While I'm here, <laughs> within the home... If there's a dad and there's a mom, hey dad, you should be the spiritual leader. Well, I don't know that much about the Bible. That's okay. Study it. Let your kids see you reading the Bible, let your kids see you praying. You be the one that says, hey man, where's everybody at in the scripture? Hey, let's take time as a family, let's look at this. You be the one that says, hey, let's get up and let's go to church. This isn't going over very well, is it? I can tell. (laughs) Listen, all throughout scripture, know your role. Hey, men, lead. Ladies, submit to the man that's in your life, and if there isn't a man in your life, you submit to Christ just like you would if there was a husband in your life. And then, ladies, listen, ladies, if your husband won't lead, then you step up and lead. Because that's not on you, that's on him. Why? Because he's not fulfilling the role. Somebody in the home needs to say, we're gonna to go to this in verse number one, follow me as I follow Christ. That's, that's the actual key verse to the entire passage. I keep saying that about every verse, but every verse is the key verse to the entire passage. But verse number one, be followers of me as I follow Christ. Hey, listen, know your role. Men, lead, ladies, follow the headship in your life. Know your role. Secondly, this morning and quickly is embrace your role. Man, embrace my role. Look with me, verse 7 down through verse number 12. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image of the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman is of the man. Uh, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is a man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things are of God. What? What does this mean? What what are you trying to say, Paul? Again, I don't have time to do this, but verse seven through nine, here's what Paul is saying. Go back to creation and God's uh, God's original intent. He intended for men and women to have different roles. They are created equal because they are created in the image of God, but... You need to know that even creation shows you your role. So embrace it. Verse 10. What does verse 10 mean? I would love for a pastor sometime to come and say, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And verse number 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. And then he begins to just preach an hour on this. I have no idea how, would you, do, how you would do that. Why? Because I can't solidly tell you exactly what that means. (gasps) You're a pastor. Yeah, and I'm a a dummy too. Man, there's some verses I come across that I'm like, what? However, when we take the verse and we we compare it with Scripture, we can understand, here's what I believe this is teaching. That a woman should understand her role and embrace it because of the angels. That wasn't good enough for you? Okay, here's what Paul is doing. He is arguing from the facts of creation and angels. They were part of creation. Angels know their role. And they embrace their role of worshiping God. They embrace their role of covering their faces before God, Isaiah 6, chapter 6, verse number 2. And in some special way, we need to know that angels, they are a part of of the worship of the church to God. Did you know that today, the Bible teaches that angels are watching what we are doing, and angels are learning about God because of what you and I do. Why? Because the angels, they can't sing a song. The angels can't sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Angels can't praise God for dying for them. Angels can't have a relationship with God and God be their heavenly father that adopts them into the family whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Angels, they don't have the relationship. And so what are angels doing? Angels are looking at your life and they're looking at our worship and they're learning about God and they're saying, wow, Wow, watch that person. They're, they're submitting to God even though they don't have to. Wow, they must really love God. Wow, God must really love them. And so here's what Paul is saying. Hey, there are, there are uh, uh, viewers on the outside of your, your sphere of, of, of sight and what you see. And there are the, the paranormal that are watching in on you. And hey, you can even be an example unto them by embracing your role. Verse number 11 and verse number 12. Men, you need to lead the woman, but before you get too high on yourselves, know that you wouldn't be here without a woman. What's he talking about? Uh, Ladies have babies. And I don't care what culture says. Men can't have babies. Well, but pastor, didn't you know that there was this one? I was pushing up my glasses there. Didn't you know there was that one time? No, no, no. That's for another day in time. But anyway, here's what, here's what Paul is telling them. He's teaching them that we are codependent. What's that mean? You need each other. Men, you need women. Women, you need men. Well, no, I don't. Don't you know? No, no, no. This is what God said. We are different, we have different roles, but we need each other. Men need women, listen, and women need men. Men don't need women to be be like men, or excuse me, yeah, men don't need women to be like men and women don't need men to be like women. Celebrate who God has made you and embrace it. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you understand how a passage like this, how practical it could be for the culture in which we live? Because what do we do with people that say that they're one gender when they're not? What do you do when we live in a society that says there are a number of genders when there are not? Listen, it is imperative that Christians from a biblical perspective, understand roles, responsibilities, genders, and submission. This whole passage, honestly, this is a gender identity passage. It really is. It's a gender identity passage that God created men and God created women. He didn't create women that change their mind and say, I become a man. He didn't create a man that just changes his mind and says, I wanna be a woman. God didn't do that. If you ask any kindergartner who is the man and who is the woman, they're gonna get it right. They know better than most college professors. But here's what happens we get so intimidated. Listen, oh, that's my excited thing. Yeah, I'm camping. We get so intimidated by our culture and by politics and by policy that we cower to agenda and to what's popular. Hey, Christians need to come back to the Bible. Yes, have compassion for every confused person out there that is confused about their gender. Are there people with real gender identity issues? Yes, there are. And, and, the, and many Christians, they step back and they just go, oh, I just can't believe it. Oh, just look at how this world is acting. Oh, just look at this. Oh my goodness. Oh, don't you know? And they just get all mad. Don't, you, don't they know, those, that idiot? Don't they, don't they, don't they? No, they don't know. Why? Because the devil is the author of confusion. And so he is throwing in their court, hey, be confused about who you are. That is why God comes to the oh, God comes to the table and he pulls up a chair and he goes, Now, you were made a man, and I did it with purpose, and you will be most fulfilled when you embrace your role as a leader. Step up and lead. I've made you as a lady. And I made you a lady with purpose. And yes, there's some independence in there, but it's beautiful and I created you this way. So pull up a chair and follow the leader in your life. And if you don't have a leader in your life, then follow me because I will lead you and you will be most fulfilled. Culture says, hey, if you're a boy, you can be a girl. And if you're a girl, you can be a boy. And if you're more confused about it, and if you can identify with the LGBTQZXYP crowd, you are just, you are doing fine. And if you're comfortable in your skin, Ah, you're racist, you're sexist you're this, you're that no listen, here's what God said know your role and embrace it and you'll find fulfillment it's not about subjugation it's about purpose and ultimately it's about deliverance man I'm thankful that tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to know I'm a man I'm not going to look in the mirror and be like you know ah you know I think I want to be a girl today it's delivering. Why? Because I have Jesus. I have Christ. And I find my identity in him. So know your role. And embrace your role. And if you're a Christian that knows your role and you're, you embrace it, don't be hateful to people that don't get their role. Hey, love them to Jesus. Jesus. Man, I've got friends and family. They're confused about this. You know what I don't do? I don't go to the family reunion and go. Let me chat with you for just a minute. Do you know what this is? This is a Bible. This is God's word. And you know what God said? I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> you know what? I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him a hug. Say, man, how you doing? It's so good to see you. How's life? What's going on? How's your job? I'm going to talk to them like a normal person. Why? Because they're a normal person that's just confused. Well, why are they confused? Many of them, it's just because they just don't know Jesus. Now, are there Christians that struggle with this? Yes. Yes. There are Bible-believing Christians that struggle with gender issues and with relationship issues. It is not the Christian's place to get up and be like, well, you're not saved because of this. No, it's the Christian's place to say, hey, find your identity in Jesus. Don't find your identity in a gender. Don't find your identity in a relationship. No, 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 no. Know your role and embrace it. Why? Because it's your God-given identity. Find it in Christ. You're one in Christ. In Jesus, there's not male or female, Jew or Greek. No, 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 no. Jesus said, I love you and I died for you. The ground is level at the cross. I love you just the way you are and I love you too much to leave you there. And so I'm gonna take your life and I'm gonna shape it and you're gonna be most fulfilled when you know your role and when you embrace your role. But we will never... <clears throat> We will never know our role. We will never embrace our role if we don't understand true leadership. I'm skipping a lot, but we're just gonna do that. If we don't understand true leadership, I'm gonna read the verses just to mention it because otherwise some might leave confused, but verse 13, judge in yourselves Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it's glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if a man seem to be contentious, if you wanna fight about this, we have no such custom. Neither are the churches of God. Now, I don't have have all the time in the world to do this, so just listen quick. What Paul is doing here is he's just helping them understand that culture, at that time, culture said we understand roles. Culture spoke it. Verse number 14, Doth not, or verse 13, judge ye in yourselves. The word judge right there, <coughs> excuse me, it simply means to consider this. Consider all of this. Is it comely that a woman pray to God uncovered? Hey, even the false religions, they understood this that it, it's, it's, not, it's just not the way culturally that we see it for a lady to pray without a head covering. Why? Because she understands her role. Verse 14, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. Now again, uh, culturally, today, culturally, there's a lot of godly Christian men that I know that have longer hair than me, and that's okay. Yeah, I got one over here. You know what? Here's the thought. He's doing it, so that's why I pointed it out. Here's the thought is this, and I'm going to say this this morning, but this young man trusted Christ because of my dad. About how many years ago, man? It's been five years ago, or has it been just two years, two or three years ago? Listen, here's what I'm going to say right now. Culture, then, and really in every culture, in every culture, usually ladies have longer hair than men, Right? that's, it's a cultural thing. Go to verse 15. What's he saying in verse 15? But if a woman have long hair, it's glory unto her for her hair is the given for a covering. Now he's just saying, so now, you know, sometimes men have long hair, but women's hair is always longer. And he says this, but if you want to fight about this, nobody else is doing this. Now, pastor, what is he saying? Paul is basically just bringing up issues to say cultural people living in their culture, they even get this. They know their role and they're embracing their role. And creation knows its role and is embracing its role. And I travel around, verse 16, you know what churches aren't doing? They're not fighting about this. Corinth, come on, get it together. But back to what I said a second ago, we won't know our role or embrace our role until we understand true leadership. And that's verse one, where the entire passage starts. Read it with me and we'll be done here in just a second. Here's what Paul said. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. I love this verse. I love this verse. I won't take time, but I would love to have one of my sons come up. And say, follow me. You know what it simply means? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And if I got one of them up here and I walked through the stage and I did, you know, crazy things and just did some fun stuff and they did everyone, that's what Paul is saying. Follow me as I follow Christ. Well, <clears throat> what does this mean? Simply put, I want you to imitate the life that I'm setting forward. Why? Because I'm imitating Christ. Here's what he's getting at. We all have people that we submit to and we all have people that submit to us and Paul introduces himself as the leader, follow me, but he also introduces himself as the follower. It sets the tone. This verse sets the tone for the entire passage. Here's what Paul is saying. I am learning this and I want to be an example for you to follow, so I invite you to follow me as I follow Christ. I don't want you to follow me instead of Christ. I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Here's what he's saying. I want you to look into my life and by living my life in fellowship with Christ, I want to be an example to you of knowing my role and embracing my role and finding real fulfillment. And here's what Paul is doing. I invite you. I invite you to look in every area of my life and to see me submitted to Christ. This was not Paul cherry picking ways that he wanted to influence people. This was Paul saying, you can follow every area because I'm following Christ in every area there was a measure of transparency in paul's wife, paul's life he said hey look at me evaluate my life find things that are good in me to be uh, imitated this is him actually inviting inspection and embracing transparency Can I say this morning, that's what good leaders do. They say, you can inspect my life, and here's what you're going to find. In every area of my life, I am am submitted to Christ. I am not contradicting Christ. I am clarifying Christ. And so when you listen as a Christian, as you follow the Lord, when you can say to people, follow me as I follow Jesus, you are not saying, look to me instead of Jesus. You are saying, look through me, and you will see only Jesus. Why? Because I know the role that I have been called to. I am embracing it and I am finding complete fulfillment. Now let me wrap this up in that little box this morning for us and help us understand that where you live and the job that you work and the, the, the school that you have and the home that you that you live in and the marriage that you have, you God desires for you to find fulfillment. God, listen. God's plan is not that Christ, not that Christians would go through their life looking for something somewhere, everywhere. No, God's plan is that you would be fulfilled that you would wake up tomorrow and be thankful for who you are and thankful for where God has placed you. And are there trials? Yes. Are there days that Dennis Fountain wakes up and says, man, life is hectic. I don't want to live my own life today. And I I just, I want to live, I want to do something else. Are there days that happen in everyone's life? Yes. But there should be this, uh, this unwavering foundation in my life that says, I know where God has me. I know what God has made me. I know all that God has given me. And I embrace it, and it is fulfilling in my life, and I can truly say that. If I had nothing else but only Jesus and my identity with him, I would be completely fulfilled. This is what Paul is getting at. Live your life in such a way, submitted to Christ in such a way that people can look at you and they can look in any area of your life and they can say, I can follow them. Why? Because they follow Christ. I can follow them because they're submitted to Christ. I can follow her because she's a godly leader. Yes, she's leading in the home, but she's leading by following her husband. And I don't... I don't hear her gossiping all the time about her husband and telling everybody what's wrong with her husband and why he doesn't lead right. No, no, no. I hear her saying, you know, my husband isn't perfect, but I'm going to follow him. Hey, you know what? I can follow him. Why? Because he wakes up in the morning and he spend time, spends time with God. And when he goes to the workplace, he's not talking about all the other stuff that everybody talks about and, and putting down his wife, the old lady at home and all this stuff. No, no, no. no. He understands that I am following Jesus Christ and he he is leading my life, and there are people behind me, and I accept my role. I know it and I embrace it. And it is then and only then that every Christian will find biblical fulfillment. Culture will tell you, do not be comfortable in your own skin. Culture will tell you, do not be comfortable in your race. Do not be comfortable in your gender. Do not be comfortable with how God made you. Why? Because culture is led by the prince and power of the air that balks at God. But God says, be comfortable in who you are and know that. That I created you with purpose. And if you will know this and you will embrace it, you will find fulfillment in me and with me that you will never, ever, ever, ever find anywhere else. You know what this world needs? It needs some men and women and teenage boys and teenage girls to step up and say, if you're the man, to say, I embrace it and I'm going to lead. And it needs some ladies that say, I embrace my role. I am not sub- uh, subjugated under. I'm not inferior to, no, 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 no. God placed me here, and even though I'm equal, I submit. All of it comes back to submission, knowing your role, embracing your role, but you will never do it unless you understand real leadership. Real leadership says, follow me as I follow Christ. Listen, that's what's wrong with our culture. There are too many Christians that say, follow me, I'm going my own direction. Hey, your workplace this week, you know what they need? They need you to stand up and say, you can follow me. Why? Following Jesus. It's all about submission. True leadership can say with confidence, follow me as I follow Christ. And all of this boils down to this simple statement. And I would say it this way. Have a heart that is submitted to the plan of God for your life. Men, This world needs you. Hey, your kids, your grandkids, they need you. Teenagers, we need some more teenage young men to say, I can lead. Ladies, this world and this culture needs you to see the role, to understand it, to embrace it. I'm following my husband. If my husband's not saved or my husband's passed, I'm following the leadership that God has put in my life. Why? Because I know that they're following Jesus. And this morning, have a heart. Have a heart that says, God, help me to see your plan, understand your plan, and submit to your plan. If you're a man in here, I hope today would be the day you say, you know what? I embrace it. I'm gonna step up. I'm gonna lead. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm gonna lead. If you're a lady, I hope that you'd embrace it and say, I'm gonna follow. If you're a Christian in here, I hope that you're gonna say, God, I submit to your plan so others can follow me as I follow you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.